0: Alright, how's it going everyone? Thanks for joining me on a new episode of the Music Reviewer Podcast. My name's Josh, and uh, yeah, today we're just doing another album review for the latest Wolf Alice album titled Blue Weekend, uh, released on June 4th, so uh, yeah, right before uh, that month hits, uh, after it's been released, kind of just decided honestly to cover this last minute. Um, This is a band I, I... I've known about them for a few years. I was intrigued by them when they first released um, their debut album or their first batch of singles uh, back in the mid-2010s. Honestly, I just haven't paid that much attention to this band since then as I would have wished. But uh, either way, we're getting getting to this review. Uh, I listened to this album a few times and went back to some of their previous discography as well. Um, So yeah, this is going to be episode uh, 64, I believe, of the, or episode 63, we're not going to jump the gun on that, episode 63 of the album review series, Uh, yeah, it's going to be Blue Weekend by Wolf Alice, so yeah, uh, if you're interested in what I have to say about this album, go ahead and stay tuned, but before we get started, uh, I just want to let everyone know as well, previous episode actually was released about a week ago, and on that episode, we covered the latest King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard uh, album, Butterfly 3000. And I thought this album was interesting. Uh, it's a huge contrast of what uh, typically we get on a lot of King Wizard and the Lizard Wizard stuff. This was uh, an album that definitely went in a different direction, a more synthy, poppy, indie direction, as opposed to like sticking to their uh, more rock band-centric roots with, uh, you know a lot of jamminess thrown in. This is kind of, Different. This is more of just pop, synth-pop songs. Um, so, yeah, check out that album if you have not. Also, check out the review if you have some time. Uh, I thought the album overall was decent. Uh, and, of course, last week's Best and Worst track of the week dropped around the same time. It ended up being Polo G Pop Smoke and 5 and versus Migos and Drake. Uh, that Migos track that featured Drake was pretty boring. Uh, I kind of lost by default. Uh, because of um, really how much time they gave Dra- they gave to Drake on that track and him just not really making the track go in any direction for half of the run time. And then Best Track of the Week, I actually thought that uh, Polo G track uh, with Pop Smoke off of his latest album uh, was probably the best thing off of that album that I heard because this Best and Worst Track of the Week episode basically... Covers the entirety of that Polo G project Hall of Fame. So, if you're wanting to hear my thoughts on that Polo G album, go ahead and check out that episode of Best and Worst Track of the Week for the week of June 26th. It's on whatever service you're streaming uh, this podcast on, uh, whether it's YouTube or a just streaming service. And then also on that episode, we covered some tracks by some other artists. Tate McRae's in there with the track she did with uh, Regard and Choice of On. Uh, a reggaeton track in there with jay cortez weeson and los legendarios Uh, travis barker and willow that track i covered also that latest megan the stallion track and then also the lord track that dropped out solar power uh but anyways yeah let's go ahead and get to the gist of this review and as always uh you can always expect a new episode of best north track of the week to be dropping quite soon but anyways, let's go ahead and get started. Like I was saying earlier, this uh, album review is going to be over the latest Wolf Alice album. It's their third album, and um, I guess their ten-year, ten-year or so formation. Uh, the band started uh, in early as early as 2010. They formed in London. Uh, Wolf Alice. If you're not familiar with them, they're an alternative indie rock band. They're kind of in that vein. They kind of came around uh, the mid- to early-2000s indie boom, kind of on the tail end of it. And they also have some notable leanings towards some styles like shoegaze and dream pop at times. Uh, It shows up on this album and previous albums as well. So, um, if they're ever classified like that, I'd say, yeah, in a sense they, they could have some influences in that vein. And just going over some brief history, the band was first comprised of two members, Ellie Roswell and guitarist Jeff Odie. Uh, they formed an acoustic duo, and it was not about 2012 that the band added a bassist and a drummer. The band's first single, Fluffy, was actually released in 2013. So it was a few years until they actually got that whole full band thing going. And then later their debut EP, Blush, was released. It wasn't until finally in 2015 the band released their debut album "My Love Is Cool," and around the time, I believe the band uh, garnered some of my interest, mainly due to one of the tracks on uh, on I believe their debut album, which which was also released as a single titled "Mona Lisa Smile," uh, being presented, um, you know, as this fresh track making really like the rounds on alt rock radio rotation around the time. I was really Listening to a lot of different alternative and indie bands around the time because that's just what I liked And I was just really liking the band's sound based off of that track around the time I will say I probably did listen to the debut album at some point But I don't think I have revisited it much since then unfortunately I guess my initial interest in the band died off quite quickly after they became more relevant I will say that I've never been completely uninterested to the, pro- the band, though, to the point I don't want to hear their music. It was really more of just me being interested in various other artists and not having much time to go back and listen to Wolf Alice much over the years. And then after that debut album, a couple years passed, they released their second album, Visions of Life, which was released in 2017. It debuted at number two on the UK albums chart. That album was met with some widespread critical acclaim. It's also notably won a 2008 Mercury Prize, uh, which is no small feat. Uh, There's been several prominent and great albums that have won that prize, so um, I guess this album had much critical acclaim to it. As always, I do like to listen to the most previous work of an artist before reviewing um, their current one, uh, just to see where where they came from, from the previous project or where they were coming from. And, and I will say, I, I think I might have listened to Visions in Life, but I t- didn't remember much of it, coming back to it honestly, and I could kind of see why. Uh, it, it was a bit of a uh, trek to kind of get through it all. I'm not saying it was terrible, but uh, I don't know if it just didn't age well for me, but I can maybe only pick out a couple of tracks that uh, really resonated with me. And honestly I don't see uh, that much of a similarity between uh, the previous album Visions of Life and this new one Blue Weekend. Uh, But going over some notes or just some highlights on Visions in Life, uh, the track Yuck Fu was a shouty sort of cut that contrasted with how ambient the opening track was on this album. The track is quite gritty and distorted, uh, not very pleasant sounding at times, but that's probably the point. Don't Delete the Kisses is probably one of the band's better-known tracks. Uh, That's a track that I've heard at various points over the years, Um, mainly on like Spotify, all indie playlists, or contemporary indie radio. But I do appreciate the shifting character to track displays with the whispered vocals on the verses and the shouted vocals on the chorus. The track takes its time creating a lot of anticipation and before every chorus uh, that that definitely does happen. It's a nice track, uh, I, I do like going back and listening to that one at least. Sky Musings seemed like it attempted to be quite grandiose but just ended up sounding like a jumbled assembly of various textures saturating the track with some soft sounding vocals added. St. Purple and Green has some lovely and sensitive moments when the track is a bit simmered down on the verses. Uh, however, the abrupt sections or uh, get some loudness don't quite fit in the overall, I guess, nature of the track. So, so mainly my impression of Visions in Life was that um, if maybe if I was a bit more versed in it or had I had been more familiar with it, it going into this new album Blue Weekend, um, I, I would have been quite surprised with uh, with the what the direction the band went with Blue Weekend. Um, I I honestly, based off of how I'm feeling about Visions of Life now, I don't think I would have been that optimistic for Blue Weekend. Not to say that I thought they were going to make a bad album or Visions of Life was a bad album, Uh, but Visions of Life did receive a a bunch of critical acclaim and even won a Mercury Prize. But maybe it just didn't really age all that well, in my perspective at least. But to me, it just felt... Uh, not all that pleasant to get through. Uh, You know, there there were some nice moments revisiting, such as Don't Delete the Kisses. But if I was forced to point out several or various other highlights on that album that uh, have really stuck with me, I unfortunately don't think I could. I think it's just not an album that resonates with me. So if I was going into Blue Weekend with that mindset, it would be really hard for me to uh, go into this project with um, optimism or just like a general sense of curiosity uh but good thing is that i list- I started listening to blue weekend uh before uh, i guess getting my feet wet with- more with efficiency of life so and i'll say uh blue weekend in my opinion is a bit of an improvement uh i think they are trying various other things on blue weekend uh, that weren't uh, done on Visions in Life. Uh, Blue, Blue Weekend definitely feels more like a hodgepodge. Uh, where uh, they kind of change it up a bit track to track. But each track still ends up sounding like Wolf Alice in a sense. Starting with the track The Beach. Um, the track does start off a bit underscript with it being structured around like this 8th note chugging. In the intro that comes off a bit dry texturally but the track does a nice job at creating anticipation at many points in the track, like in the pre-chorus where the track starts to gain momentums. Uh, But I will say in moments like that, I don't really dig the overall sound of the lighter percussion that's used, especially when you can definitely hear that the track is trying to build up to something larger. I just feel like those uh, instances, the percussion just sounds a bit ineffective, Uh, but I do like the call and response, the lush vocal sections that come on the climax. The track is also a bit short and maybe a bit underdeveloped, but I think that might be the point. I don't think it's supposed to be a full-length track, either. I think perhaps it's just trying to introduce the album in an interesting way. But, but after that, we kind of get things changed up a bit with Delicious Things. The track sounds to me a lot like it came from like the last Hazel English album from last year. Especially the way the track is introduced. Uh, the haunting vocal texture on the chorus sounds a lot like Lana Del Rey as well for some reason. Uh, some of the guitar textures on this track can be quite direct. The effect it has at times is quite nice though. It creates like this western or desert like ambience. Uh, but the, the track definitely has like a largeness to it. I think it's a bit of an improvement from the beach. but But then again, Delicious Things is a fully developed track as opposed to uh what we found on the beach uh but i will say delicious things also has like a radio has a radiohead-esque like outro to it as well uh there is a spots and hints of radiohead all throughout this album lipstick on the glass here i'm really liking the groove that drops in at the chorus the accompanying plucked guitar rift isn't bad either uh, i like the crisp drum groove uh, that's all over this thing Sounds very Radiohead-like as well, all throughout this track. Um, It's a bit of an ambient and dreamy sort of track as well. The dream pop sort of stuff influence is starting to pop in here. On this track, I'm digging the brief exposed sections as well. The track Smile, uh, here we finally arrive on a track that has some rock attributes Uh, with some nice grit in the opening, uh, a bit of pop flair to it as well. Um, This kind of reminds me of like the, I guess, charm that Wolf Alice had earlier in their career with, you know, comparing it to a track like Mona Lisa's Smile that was heavy and gritty. I think on this track they're maybe trying to allude to that sort of, uh, you know, style, but it really doesn't show up anywhere else on this album. Uh, but I do dig the moments where the dirty and gritty bass is at the forefront. To me, at times it sounds maybe like a you know a 2010s uh, era Kasabian track. If uh, anyone's aware of that band, uh, next track "Safe from Heartbreak." Uh, I just really could not get into this. The, to me, this is. Um, you know, the oddball in the whole entire context of this album. Uh, It's very limiting textually for most of its runtime. I do love the lovely vocal harmonizations that come about here, but it's very much so a track that is an acoustic cut um, that uh, just kind of does not mesh well um, at this point in the album sequencing and in context to the rest of the stuff that... Uh, Was on this album. I don't think the album would have been affected negatively had this been left out, but that's just my opinion Uh, How can I make it okay? Interesting track Um, It aims to be ambient on the front end The percussive textures at this point are quite small and impactful again though the track doesn't really pick up until uh, Some more traditional instrumentation is presented though but on this track there is some spaced out punchiness in the bass that makes the track a bit more present. Uh, but the track really aims to build and build until it comes to like this emotional catharsis the more and more the track the chorus is reiterated. The vocal chops on this track especially on the belting are pretty impressive at times. These are just this is just one of the tracks that I wanted to come back to a bit. Uh, Just because it I I was maybe missing something every time I listened to it But uh, at the end it ended up being an interesting track I don't think it's the best track or anything on this album, but uh, but it definitely is interesting and Like I said earlier, it's an interesting track Um, Might be hard to digest with how emotional and dramatic it is to some people. I think they'll Play the greatest hits. Uh, It's another track that kind of is just a bit of an outlier but I will say it does work because it kind of goes along with, uh, you know, the earlier, harder Wolf Alice stuff that has some grittiness to it. It's kind of like an offshoot punk track supported by a gritty and heavy bass track. A um, lax pulse in the overall groove as well. The track ends up lasting a bit longer than I initially thought it would, but it's fine for what it is. It, You know, if it's your thing, if you like punk music, this might be an actual highlight on the album for you. There are some noisy background effects on the instrumentals that happen on the chorus that are a bit shoegaze-like, so we do get more of that dream pop shoegaze influence bleed in here. It might be the best track on the album for you as well. After that we get Feeling Myself. I thought the keyboard progression that's established in the beginning, uh, a little, I, I do dig that. It's a little Lana Del Rey-like on the verses. Uh, you know, the more I listen to it, it's actually very Lana Del Rey-like. And I'm digging how the track has some dynamic contrast with some more simmered down moments. It's an interesting track, but it can feel a bit elongated and, and engulfed in itself, though. And then after that, we're kind of winding down. We get The Last Man on Earth, which was probably the first single that was released on, off of this album back in like January February. Like I was saying earlier, I did review this track technically on the podcast um, a few months ago when I released a batch of tracks that I wanted to review. Um, just on YouTube, Uh, this was one of them, and um, I I think that my thoughts on it are still pretty consistent. Uh, At the time I wasn't too sure what to think because I was obviously unaware of what this album would sound like. And I don't think this track necessarily makes the album any better or worse, it's just kind of there, it's a bit traumatic and grandiose at times. Uh, at first I thought it was a bit uncharacteristic of the band, it's very piano-centric. I was used to Wolf Alice being this very uh, guitar-centric band with a loud sound. Um, it's, it was very singer-songwriter-esque, it still kind of is honestly when I go back to listen to it. It kind of reminded me of like that Christina Perry track, Jar of Hearts, just with maybe a more rich and prominent piano. As I listened to it even more, it kind of then hit me that it was maybe like one of the more simmered down, like a more simmered down Coldplay track. It's slowly paced, definitely aims to build up to something its entire runtime. There's some interesting haunting vocal effects as the track progresses, eventually gets to like this eerie sounding children's choir bit that sounds a bit distant, a bit buried by some of the bright synth textures. so, back back when I reviewed it, I thought it was a weird lead single. Uh, but on the track, uh, there is a punchy, deep, resonant bass that cuts through at times that I thought was nice and it gave some warmth to the track. Um, and yeah, it, it just goes for that climatic ending that at least makes the track more interesting, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm just enjoying it as much as I did a few months ago, I think. No Hard Feelings is the track that came right after that, nothing too much to say. Kind of sounds reminiscent of like a more stripped down Kings of Leon track. Uh, And it's a track that lingers around and takes its time. Uh, After that, we end with The Beach 2. It's a pretty colorful and ambient track. I like the bass groove that guides this thing. There's a bit of a sludginess to it as well. Um, And it's uh, maybe going back again to the shoegaze leadings. Uh, there's some colorful moments as well on, like, the latter half where we get, like, this big instrumental interlude. Uh, and the the album kind of just ends there. If I had to be honest, uh, the ending of the album wasn't the strongest. I, I definitely am digging the front half of this a bit more. And I think that maybe decided my overall enjoyment. Because, and I wasn't really gawking over anything that was, like... <laughs> Presented in the front half, but if I'm being honest, I did like delicious things and lipstick on the glass Smile for me kind of pulled at my love for bass With how the track has the gritty and dirty bass tone uh, just basically all over that thing Play the greatest hits was interesting to hear if the band can make more of that in the future I wouldn't necessarily mind it either But yeah, um, overall I think this was a project that maybe had a lot of potential and maybe the band was going for something quite big and grandiose and prominent uh, maybe to uh, one-up the Visions in Life album. Uh, But I don't know. I don't know if that was the goal, obviously. But um, if that was, I will say, hey, I do like Blue Weekend a bit more. Um, but I don't really think this is an album that, uh, is gonna be one that I'm gonna be going back to a whole lot. Yeah, there's some tracks that I wouldn't mind going back to or hearing again in the future. So, at the end of the day, there really wasn't any track that I thought was just straight up horrible, although I do think, Save from Heartbreak didn't really belong with this album. I think maybe that track would have fit a bit better on, like, a solo project album for Ellie Rosell. Uh, I probably didn't say that right, and I probably didn't say it earlier uh, right either. But, anyways, uh, yeah. But, you know, there wasn't anything I necessarily hated. There was just some head scratcher moments, obviously, like safe from heartbreak. And that's also some of the blatantly obvious influences and some parts that I really, really question. Like, I really have to go back to listen to Like a Drug by Hazel English, if that's the right track I'm listening uh, that I'm thinking of. Because "Delicious Things" straight up sounds almost exactly like something from that album. The track was actually called "Combat," although I think "Like a Drug" sounded a lot like it. But uh, yeah, that was an error by me at the beginning of the podcast. If you caught that, but yeah, uh, I just listened to it right now, and it sounds very familiar like I some su- I suspected. But either way, uh, everyone borrows from someone at some point, and uh, yeah. Um, I will say that, that there is a sense of ambience all over this album that I think is pretty forced at times. doesn't necessarily make the album bad, it's just, it's definitely there. Um, but if I'm being honest, I think Wolf Alice is probably best off doing the harder, grittier stuff. Uh, even though, uh, you know, it didn't really quite work on this album like I think it could have. Uh, I think uh, eventually if they could go back to being, you know, more of like a traditional rock band that uh, definitely sticks to like the stuff that uh, is just a bit more in your face. uh, That might be, uh, for me at least, I'll get a bit more enjoyment from that because I think the band sounds at their full potential when that hits. Um, But yeah, that's just my opinion. If I had to rate this album, I'd probably give it a 6 out of 10. Um I know for sure if uh, I don't I don't think I'm even questioning this if you're a Wolf Alice fan, yeah, you're probably gonna love this album because I know their fan base is pretty strong. Um, if you're just into kind of like uh, the the stuff in this genre like the rock, since there isn't really one concise sound and every track kind of differs from track to track it's it's a toss up. there might be some stuff you really enjoy there might be some stuff that you really don't. And if you're just new going into Wolf Alice's music, um, who knows that this does lean a lot on different genres and influences. Uh, The biggest one that I was surprised at was the Lana Del Rey stuff. So hell, maybe that's why uh, they lean so heavily on it. uh, Maybe they're trying to really uh, reach out to some of Lana's uh, fan base because, uh, yeah, it sounds a lot like it at times, which is pretty interesting. I don't think it's It's that easy to sound like Lana Del Rey either. Um, But yeah, interesting album. Uh, Like I said, if I had a rate, I'd give it a 6 out of 10. I don't think I enjoy it as much as other 6 out of 10s, but I definitely am not going to group it in with, like, being indifferent about it. It's a good album. It's just, I... I know I'd enjoy other things from this band if they just presented it differently or just went in different directions. So it's more of just like a an enjoyment thing. Uh but anyways, yeah, that's the uh that's the gist of the review. If you stuck with me through the length of this review, thanks. My name's Josh. Uh hope to catch you next time. Uh tune into Best World Strike of the Week if you want. Catch the next review. Go back and listen to some episodes if you want. But anyways. Thanks for tuning in. Like and subscribe on YouTube if you're there. Leave a comment. Uh, Also, subscribe on your preferred listening service. Better than that, see you later.